may look like. It may look like you surrounded. It may look like every weapon formed against you is prospering. It may look like hell and high water won't get out of your way. It may look like depression is going to win. The situation is going to overthrow you. It may look like there's no end to this pandemic. It may look like fear is ruling and reigning in your heart right now. It, it may look like I don't care what it what it may look like. Because the children of God are surrounded by the loving arms of Jesus. Understand that, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Understand that God has a way of breaking through in the midst of our praise. Sometimes you have to lay down the grumbling. Lay down the mumbling, lay down the complaining, lay down the irritation, lay down the frustration. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta lift your hands up and shout hallelujah and allow God to fight your battles and allow God to break through and allow God to destroy the enemy and allow him to do a new thing in your life. This is how we're gonna fight our battles. Because we go to war with Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. I'm reminded in the text of scripture, the Lord told them on the seventh day, on the seventh time around, he didn't say, lift up your weapons. He didn't say, attack the front gates. He didn't say, build a catapult. He didn't say, that he needed them to do anything but to shout unto the Lord. Beloved, I dare you where you are this morning. I dare you to, to try the Lord and, and just give, lift up your voice in praise this morning. Lift up your voice unto the Lord with a shout. May he hear your voice. May he hear, your, may he hear our cries this morning. Knowing that God is fighting our battles for us. And we need only obey. We need only trust. We need only draw near because the Lord is fighting our battles. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right where you are. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful day of worship already. Thank you so much to Jackie and the entire praise team, Brother Rodney, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Sister Pauletta, everyone who is here this morning. Thank, thank God for our sound team, Deacon Dobbins, Brother Linda Houghton, for our uh, internet video, Maceo Jr. I just thank the Lord for each and every person who gives uh, of their time in order to make this possible, that you may be ushered into the presence of the Lord. Though we are scattered collectively, we are gathered in this moment of praise. So even as we lift up our praises to the Lord, we're lifting them up together. 
knowing that it is the Lord who is going before us, who will fight our battles like the children of Israel. He goes before us in the in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, signifying the fact that no matter whether it's, it's night or day, God is leading, God is uh, uh, protecting his people, and he is in their midst, he is in their presence. And he is in our presence this morning. So again, welcome this morning to this worship service of the church gathered at Forest. And it's incredible because we are already in the month of March. Wow. Not only are we in the month of March, we are pretty much a year into this pandemic where everything changed for everybody. I don't care where you were, who you were, where you lived, demographic, everything has changed now. Thus, we're broadcasting online. But God is still faithful. And even in the midst of difficulties and dangers, the Lord is still making a way. Amen? He's making a way somehow. You don't know how, but he's making a way. You don't know how you got out of the bed this week, but you did. You don't know how you was going to put food on your table this week, but you did. You don't know how you was going to get to work, the, you, you don't know how they was going to come out the hospital. You don't know how you was going to make it, but God showed up. And we're gathering as a testament to that very fact this morning that the Lord is with his people. And this morning as we celebrate our Lord, let us hear from him through his word. As I often say, we primarily speak to God through prayer, but God primarily speaks to us through his word. So this morning, why don't you grab your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, as we continue on and looking at the parables of Jesus. Matthew, the 13th chapter, we'll be looking at verses 24 through 43 this morning. And if you are able to, let us stand collectively in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew, Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 43. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with it, with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the plant garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. You may be seated. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word. For our consideration this morning, consider with me, slow and steady, says the king. Slow and steady, says the king. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal Father, our God in heaven, we ask that you would give us this day our daily bread. And we ask that you would pour forth from heaven supernatural insight through your Holy Spirit that we would dine and feast upon your word. Father, please take your holy and righteous word and apply it to our hearts in marvelous ways. Through Christ Jesus and the indwelling of your spirit, Father, please interpret your word for us that we would understand and that we would draw even nearer to you today. Father, I just thank you so much for bringing us through yet another week. Even when the odds were stacked against us, even when we didn't feel like we were going to make it, you kept us. And for that, we say thank you. And Father, please, may you hear our praise as a, as a declaration of war against the enemy. May we lift up our voices in praise as a source of strength. May we lift up our voices in praise as a source of power. May we lift up our voices in praise unto you as our weapon of warfare this morning. By acknowledging your preeminence and your worthiness to receive all glory, honor, and power, Lord, we're saying we don't want anyone else to rule and reign besides you. So, Father, we ask that you would come and have your way. Please speak to us through your word, through this divinely inspired word. Please touch, and, touch us in places where we really need to hear from you. 
May you transform our thoughts and make us more like Jesus. Father, have mercy upon me, your servant, as I seek to be faithful to preach and teach your word this day. Please bring clarity, understanding, and we will be careful to give you all of the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. Well, again, it's always good to be with you. And so grateful that the Lord indeed has brought us through another week and that we're able to gather this morning. And even as we consider the events of this past week and how the Lord has brought us through, there's been a lot of talk and a lot going on. Uh, there's been a lot of outrage over uh, children's stories this, this past week. As we have uh, heard reports that Dr. Seuss is uh, discontinuing a, a certain number of books because of uh, the content and illustrations uh, picturing uh, uh, various ethnicities in disparaging ways. Uh, there's been a lot of quote-unquote outrage at that. And uh, one thing, uh, as we even we consider the text this morning, just to think about that, uh, we are living in a day and age where people uh, need to be more thoughtful and sensitive about what they say. Uh, in times past, the majority culture may not have had, not, not may not, did not have to uh, be careful with their words and how it could have been offensive. And people are declaring that now there is a war on uh, the culture and now that uh, you have to be politically correct. No, I, I would argue that uh, we have come a long way and uh, one way that we can love neighbor well is being sensitive to how people uh, are, 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 are portrayed and, and, and various words that we have spoken traditionally that are at their core uh, hurtful and harmful so we should be mindful of those things, and it is a good thing that a company would look at their own product to see how it may have been offensive. And even when we think about those children's stories, there's another children's story I, I do want to bring uh, to your attention. I want you to consider, and that story is, uh, that children's story is the one of the tortoise and the hare. I, I think that all of us may have, uh, surely have heard that one of Aesop's fables, and, and it discusses a conversation about a, a, a rabbit, a hare with a tortoise, and the, the hare is, is, is talking about how slow the, the tortoise is and, and making fun of the tortoise, and the tortoise challenges the hare to a race. This is completely hilarious to the hare, of course, because the hare is so much faster, so much swifter than the tortoise, which just has one speed, and it's called slow. But it's interesting because at the beginning of this race, the hare takes off and is so far ahead of the tortoise that eventually the hare begins to get into all kinds of situations and, and uh, not paying attention and falls asleep. And the roar of the crowd awakens the hare uh, because the tortoise is just about at the finish line. And trying to make up time, the tortoise takes off, the, the hare takes off but is unable to catch the tortoise. What is the point of that? children's story, the point of that is slow and steady wins the race, that a steady perseverance wins the race, that, that a, 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 a type of posture that is willing just to keep on going, to keep on pressing and keep on moving forward, 
uh, ultimately will win the day. And when we consider that children's story, there's a lot for us to learn today. And there's a lot that is similar with the text this morning because when it comes to how the kingdom of heaven is entering in, it is slow and steady. The kingdom of heaven is coming in and breaking forth in a manner that is slow and steady. And we see from Scripture, and we know we will realize one day that the glory of God will be fully manifested in this world, and it is coming slow and steady. The point of this text this morning is just that the kingdom of heaven is coming on Jesus' terms and not their terms. The The kingdom of heaven is coming on God's terms and not our terms. The kingdom is coming the way that Jesus has appointed, the way that Jesus has declared and decreed, and he has specific reasons and purposes at what he is doing, and we would do well to wait on the Lord and to trust him. See, here in the 13th chapter, Jesus has been teaching uh, the the crowds in parables, and he continues to teach them in the text before us this morning. And we talked last week that parables, they are uh, stories, a, a, a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth, or simply put, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the reason we saw that Jesus was teaching in parables, because they would serve as a spiritual test for the eyes and for the ears of the crowd. And what the parables would do would make a distinction between his disciples and those who are just in the crowd. What Jesus was doing through his parables, he was giving more light to those who were following him, but he was casting darkness to those who were rejecting him. In these parables, Jesus is teaching these heavenly uh, meanings with just practical words. Here again in this morning text, we're reminded of that fact. In verses 34 and 35, it says, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to to them without a parable. In verse 35, here's the key. Why? This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Right here, Jesus is quoting from Psalm 78 to one of Asaph's uh, uh, psalms. In that psalm in 78 and 2 says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. What Jesus is doing here, not only is he quoting from Psalm 78, but he is making a declaration that one that is greater than Asaph is here. The ultimate prophet who has the ultimate ability to take what is dark and bring them to light has arrived in in me, Jesus Christ. This is his declaration. But in that declaration, those whose hearts were hard towards God, those who were disobedient to the call to to enter to repent and enter into the kingdom, those who who were uh, obstructionists, not looking to allow Jesus to shine, which he rightly would, they their eyes were darkened 
by the words of Jesus in these parables. But we see there's going to be a consequence to their darkness of heart. And these next three parables, in a sense, they're, they function as a warning for the people who had ears to hear. What Jesus is saying in, in these parables that if the kingdom of heaven is here, then that means something is changing, something is becoming new. But the issue was those in Israel was expecting the kingdom to come in this radical and swift moment and that Jesus, if he was the true Messiah, he would just overthrow the Roman government and uh, institute his rule immediately. This is why, again, John the Baptist and the, the scribes and the Pharisees were questioning Jesus as to was he really truly the Messiah because they were expecting the kingdom to come immediately. Their messianic expectations were hindering them from really seeing who Jesus was. In these parables, they're, they're saying that the kingdom of heaven has come and is growing right before their eyes, and they're not even, even recognizing it. And they, they won't be able to ignore the kingdom for long. Beloved, they won't be able to look past the kingdom in our day as the kingdom of heaven is coming and breaking forth slow and steady with the propagation and multiplication of the gospel uh, as the kingdom is coming in that people won't have long to ignore Jesus. Beloved, if you have never trusted Jesus, if you have not given your attention to Jesus, you won't have much longer to ignore him. And the reason being is our big idea for today, the fact that those belonging to Jesus will be revealed by the slow and steady growth of the kingdom. Those belonging to Jesus will be revealed by the slow and steady growth of the kingdom. And look here, this, this first parable of the weeds, it, it serves as, a, as bookends for these other two parables. But let's start with one bookend. And, and what Jesus is saying in this first parable, the, the parable of the weeds, is that the kingdom slowly grows amongst weeds. Jesus is, he's moving on from talking about the different soils and, and how the different soils determine if the seed will grow. And now he begins to talk about the distinction between two different seeds. And he goes on to talk about a farmer who is, who is planting seeds in his field. And as all of his servants have come and they have planted all of the good seed, he went out and got the best seed. He didn't go to the bootleg shop around the corner to see what, what Ray Ray and them had in order to plant in their flower pot. He, he went to the best place uh, who had the best seed, and he, they received that, and that is the seed that they planted. It was seed that was carefully and wisely uh, selected for the purposes of producing a harvest that was uh, the most bountiful that it could be. But we see in the midst of uh, them sowing the field that the, uh, an enemy, a hater, comes along and sows and plants and takes the time to plant weeds all around this farmer's field. And I'm sure these weeds were, were planted in order to try to choke out these good seeds to prevent them from growing. 
But what we see happening is that these seeds are so good that they still continue to grow, but they grow alongside of these weeds. And as they are growing, the servants notice that these weeds don't look like the real thing. And they run to the master and say, Master, someone has come in and sold these bad seeds. And immediately the the master knows that it, it was that hater down the street, and he says it, it was the enemy. And just being uh, helpful and wise servants, the, uh, the servants say, do you want us to, to, to take them out and, and get rid of them right now? But the, the master is wise. He says, no. No, I want you to leave them where they are right now. Let them grow together because I don't want to harm the good seed. I don't want to harm the harvest, but when it comes time for the harvest, we'll make sure to get rid of the weeds. This is the story that Jesus is laying out, this this analogy in a sense. And this is a story about agricultural sabotage, but, 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 but Jesus makes this distinction between the good seed and the bad seed. The distinction between the good master and the enemy. He's making a distinction about what is taking place in this field. And many have, have tried to take this and, and run with different uh, particular interpretations. We're going to let Jesus give us the meaning of this when we move on. But right here, I just want to point out one thing. And the fact that these weeds were more than meets the eye. In the text, this, this word for weeds uh, it's it's, it's, it's uh, interpreted darnell or, 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 or tares, not darnell, your cousin and them. This is, this is a wheat-like, uh, weedy grass that in this early stages, it will look exactly like wheat. But you were able to distinguish it when it grew up a little bit more over time. Not immediately, but over time, you would be able to distinguish this uh, this Darnell and, 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 and see that it wasn't the real thing. But in, 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 in investigating this type of weed, what I found interesting was that uh, this, this particular weed possesses a poisonous seed. So if, this weed, if, this, if these weeds were, were allowed to uh, stay around after the harvest, they would have the potential of ruining the entire crop, making the grain unable to be sold. Beloved, what Jesus is is helping us to see that is part of this interpretation is the fact that though we may live in a broken world, if we are above the good seed, the enemy can't stop us from growing. Never forget that. No matter what Satan may try to do to you, no matter what uh, encumbrances or how he tries to entangle you, of how he tries to, to, to stop you, to stifle you, and stymie your progress in pursuing Jesus, if you belong to the good sea, the enemy can't stop you from growing. But then also notice, the ability for the weeds of the enemy to bring poison into the harvest. Beloved, we must be mindful of what we're allowing to come into our own lives and and what we're taking a part in and and what we're gathering around. We already live in a broken world. The, The world is broken enough 
we must be mindful of what we're holding close to. We must be mindful of these things. But the application here, what, what Jesus is really getting at is the purpose. Uh, he, his, his infinite, infinitely wise plan is allowing weeds to grow even in the midst of the good seed. So what Jesus is, 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 is showing us and demonstrating, in a sense, is the fact that though we may be God's people, we will be affected by the sin of this world. Directly or indirectly, because of our sin, because of someone else's sin. But even though we may be directly affected by the sin in this world, God knows who belongs to him. If you remain faithful, patiently growing into the type of harvest he wants you to be, the type of fruit that, that yields, again, 100-fold, 60-fold, 30. If you just focus on growing how Jesus wants you to grow, he has a harvest for you. See, all of these uh, parables uh, within this, this, th these bookends is about growing. How, how are we growing? What is growing in the world and what is God doing? How is this kingdom growing? And secondly, we see here that Jesus tells a story and he, he likens the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed. And he says uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a, 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 a mustard seed and that is planted. And though it, it begins small, it grows so large that it's able to support life. And what Jesus is saying is that, that this mustard seed, which would have been the, uh, the, the, the smallest seed commonly planted in a Palestinian field. So Jesus is not trying to be a, uh, uh, a biologist and, and, and talk about the smallest seeds in the world. He, that's, that's not his point. His point is that the kingdom of heaven has started in a, a proverbially small way so small that many in the crowd aren't able to see it. But as that small seed is planted and watered and, and cultivated, it grows into something large. As a matter of fact, this, this, this mustard seed could grow into a large bush that, was some, that can grow to be between 10 and 12 feet high. And it would, it would spread out as a bushel, more, uh, uh, more like a bushel than a tree, and it would support the weight of life of, of the birds of the air able to, to come and live within its branches. One of Jesus' key points here, he's actually pointing to the fact that the kingdom of God is going to be able to spread its branches and, and, and maintain life. It's going to have to, the ability to sustain a people. Uh, Jesus is actually pointing to Ezekiel, the 17th chapter. Turn with me right quick to Ezekiel, the 17th chapter. I want to show you two things of what Jesus is doing. Ezekiel, the 17th chapter, verse 22. Uh, G, uh, God is talking to the prophet about uh, him destroying Babylon. And uh, as Babylon had, had come into prominence and, and was supporting everyone, he's saying he's going to destroy Babylon, but then he is going to, set forth a tree that is going to raise his branches. And in Ezekiel, the 17th chapter, verse 22, he says, Thus says the Lord God, I myself 
will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the top most of his young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. Now watch this. As God has established the nation, he's going to give them so much life, that uh, uh, he, so much prosperity. He's going to be able to sustain his people. And he says, and under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of his branches. Birds of every sort will nest. And Daniel one book over, the fourth chapter, the 11th verse, the same uh, symbolism is given when Daniel is interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king in his day, uh, has these dreams. And Daniel is interpreting those dreams. And in verse 11, he talks about the same idea of uh, this, this kingdom being a nation, this nation being a tree able to sustain life. And Daniel, the fourth chapter and the 11th verse says, the tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was from it. So when, when, when Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this mustard seed that will grow into this big bush that's able to sustain life, what he's saying that as the kingdom is coming, that it will be able to sustain the life of his people. And not only will we be able to uh, have our life sustained, but we will find rest in the shade of Jesus. Because the kingdom is coming slow and steady. And the way that we can, we can think about this and even apply it to our own life is the kingdom is presently evidenced by your ability to find refuge in Jesus. The fact that we can come to Jesus at any time, at any moment, the fact that the, uh, that the testimony of Scripture says weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The fact that we can look to the hills from which comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord. The, the fact that we are more than conquerors in Christ. The fact that we have all of these promises are evidence that the kingdom is here. And we have found every single yes and amen in Jesus. He's talking about the kingdom as a as a a mustard seed that uh, slowly grows from humble beginnings, but then also Jesus talks about the kingdom slowly grows from the inside out. And he tells this third parable about this woman who is baking some bread and she takes some leaven and as she is kneading the bread, she, she just slips the leaven in and begins to knead it and to work it through. And as she works the, uh, the leaven through the entire bread, it it, 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 it fills, it, it, uh, the leaven fills up all of the bread and permeates throughout. So if Jesus was talking about the breath and the, the growth of the kingdom of heaven and its ability to, to sustain life, right here in talking about the, the yeast and, and the leaven and the bread, Jesus is talking about the kingdom's ability to, to permeate and to completely transform from the inside out. 
See, Jesus uses this parable because bread was the most basic staple in Palestine. And this leaven, this, this is a, a small piece of fermenting uh, acidic dough that was set aside from the last batch that was made. Basically, this yeast is a, is a fungi that multiplies rapidly. And uh, you, you put the leaven inside of the dough, and it causes this to rise and spread. Uh, but, but it grows slowly but steadily. This is why in Exodus, as they are preparing to leave, God tells them to use unleavened bread. He said, I'm going to get you out of here so fast, you ain't got time for your bread to rise because we get out of here quickly. But this is the opposite here. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is coming and, and, and it is permeating and transforming steadily and slowly over a period of time. This is one of those kingdom paradoxes where normally we think of yeast as something bad. And normally in Scripture, it talks about something bad. Uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The fact that a little uh, wickedness, a little bad influence can have a big effect on you. But right here, he, Jesus is actually talking about how the kingdom comes in small, but it transforms every single thing it touches. Beloved, when we think about the kingdom, the kingdom is presently evidenced by your internal transformation. The kingdom is, is evidenced by the fact that you can declare, I used to. The kingdom is evidenced in your life in the fact that something has changed throughout your life because of when you met Jesus. The kingdom is evidenced in the fact that you were living like this, but God showed up and now you live like this. The fact that you were able to turn around from the hell you was headed to is evidence of the fact that the kingdom of heaven has arrived and is permeated throughout your life. Now, if nothing's changed in your life, if you're still living like hell, then maybe the kingdom has not come. Jesus, he's using all of these practical examples to help us to see the impact of the kingdom. And then he finishes, it, he finishes this uh, set of uh, parables surrounding the, the theme of growth up by interpreting what he said. But notice what he does. He doesn't begin interpreting just in front of everyone. He says, and he goes back to the house. He, he went back to the crib. Start chilling with his disciples, those who were following him, those who believed him, who wanted to be around Jesus and to know from Jesus. And they asked him, teach us more. Uh, tell us about this. And Jesus freely gives them the secrets of the kingdom. And as Jesus is interpreting this parable, he, he makes the, uh, the distinction. And he says these specifically. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. Now take note. He says the field is the world, not the church. There, and many times when we've heard this parable, they, uh, we've, uh, it's been likened to the church. And like in the church, there's people who saved and not saved. And, and we need to get the, the people that's not saved out of the church. That's, that's, no, what Jesus is actually saying is that he has, come not, he has come to establish his church throughout the entire world. Not just a building at 4,500 Petersburg, but that he is doing a complete transformation of the culture through his church. The field is the world. 
The good seed is the sons of the kingdom, the, the children of God, his disciples. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And, and again, he, uh, he's using these, these terms, sons, the ones who would inherit. So the weeds are the children of Satan. The enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age when Jesus comes back and he judges the living and the dead, finding out, revealing, not finding out, revealing if their name is written in the Lamb's book of life or not because through repentance and faith. And then he says the, the reapers are the angels, the, his, his ministering spirits who will make the distinction, who will make the separation. What Jesus is saying is that in this world, uh, his, his children will grow alongside of, of all, all the wickedness. But the fact that we belong to him, we will be able to grow. This reminds me of John 17. John 17, verses 15 through 19, and it says, I do not, Jesus, is, he, this is his high priestly prayer. He's talking to the Father in heaven. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What Jesus is saying is the good seed is not of this world. There's going to be a harvest at the end of days. And note at the end of this parable, the eschatological implications, the, the future implications of this parable. Because Jesus is saying he's going to pull out of his kingdom all who did not grow from good seed. And he is going to take all of those who belong to the children of Satan and they will be cast into the lake of fire and be separated from the goodness of God from all eternity. And then he is also taking the children of God and separating them and they will see the radiant glory of the Father in heaven forevermore. Not only is Jesus pointing to this distinction but he's pointing to the fact that though his purposes may be slow and steady, they will never be thwarted. That's why we can declare no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because if we belong to Jesus, his plans will come to pass. This is why uh, uh, he can say in Philippians 1 that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That's why we don't, we don't just give up. That's why we can persevere and hold out and hold on because we know that if Jesus began working on us, that he's not going to leave us or forsake us, but that he is, his kingdom is going to manifest itself completely within us. That is such encouraging news in a day where things seem hopeless and it seems like we're falling and it seems like we're failing all the time and it seems like we just can't get right. But Jesus is saying, you may want to give up on yourself, but I'm not giving up on my children. Because no matter what the enemy does to distract, to distort, he cannot thwart my purposes in your life. 
So even as we consider the Word of God this morning, as we consider how the kingdom has taken root in our lives and brought transformation and, and has done all these incredible things, one of the things I, I, I really want you to consider right now, because we see the kingdom is slow and steady, so it takes time to really reveal itself. What will time reveal about you? Will time reveal that you were always of good seed who will inherit the kingdom of God? Or will time reveal that you just hung around the good seed but were actually a child of Satan? Are you a part of the crowd or are you a disciple? But then while we're talking about growth, one of the things that I want, I want us to examine and to really think about is whose kingdom is growing in your heart? Is the kingdom of heaven slowly and steadily growing as you mature as a Christian in your heart? Or is your kingdom growing in your own heart, your own desires, your your own way of life, doing what you want to do, how you want to do it. Whose kingdom is growing in your heart? You know what, beloved? Just looking at the, this text, Satan is busy. The enemy is busy. I've always said Satan is good at his job. He is good at, at distracting, distorting, and trying to just mess up some stuff. But even though Satan is busy, he can't stop the growth of the kingdom. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, he talks about this individual who is coming and who will rule and reign. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, listen here to verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, this is Daniel, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. The son comes to the father and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus is this son of man, and he is ushering in a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom that cannot be destroyed. And beloved, it may not feel like it, but the kingdom of heaven has already come. It may not feel like it when you see the chaos and confusion. It may not feel like it even in your own life because of your sin and failures. However, when you are part of that good seed, the kingdom of heaven is slowly growing and expanding right now. And I mentioned earlier, this text is a warning. Because remember what Jesus says, there's a harvest to reap. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? He says specific, specifically, 
He's going to send his angels, the reapers, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Those who are disobedient, those who have not repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, will be taken out and cast into the lake of fire. And only the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Beloved, the only way we can enter into the presence of God is if we have looked to Jesus and called on him for salvation. You can do that today. Look to Jesus today, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who sows the good seed through repentance and faith. Repentance is a Bible word that, that, that simply means to turn around, to turn. You were living for yourself, and you're going to turn to live for Jesus. You were only worried about yourself. Now you're worried, your, your concern is to be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. And you believe that Jesus is the one who came to lay down his life for the forgiveness of sin, that you may be healed. Beloved, this parable is a simple reminder the kingdom of heaven is coming, slow and steady, but it's coming. And those who belong to Jesus will be revealed by the slow and steady growth of the kingdom. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these incredible truths that are so simple, so simple for us to grasp. And Father, I pray that we would grasp your word this morning that we would be the good seed sown into the field of this world. And though the enemy may try to choke us out and take us out, if we are your seed, we will grow and we will persevere to the end. That day where you will gather a harvest to yourself and those who have repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Oh, Lord, we so look forward to that day where we will see you face to face and have the privilege and honor of walking on streets of gold in the land of no more, fully righteous, fully acceptable, fully with you. We do love you and thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, we do pray. All of God's people said together, amen.